Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Breaking news tonight, 23,000 dead. The death toll rises as New York's governor says the tide is turning. The worst is over. But he warns the state not to let its guard down. And tonight, the heavy winds that could threaten hospital tents built for COVID-19 patients. Catastrophic storms, nearly 60 million Americans under watches and warnings tonight after dozens are killed in tornadoes that tore across the South. Hundreds forced into shelters in the middle of a pandemic and the dramatic race to save others from rising water. Risking their lives, thousands of healthcare workers now infected with coronavirus. After weeks of complaints, what's behind the lack of desperately needed protective gear? Plus, one of America's largest pork producers shuts down a major plant where hundreds of workers there are infected. Back to work battle, the president now says he'll decide when to reopen the economy. Tonight, the governors across the country banding together and pushing back. So who has the final say? Racing to a cure, our new series, we go inside the search for innovative treatments. Could a drug used to help people with rheumatoid arthritis be the key to saving people with coronavirus. And we'll end tonight's broadcast on a high note, a famous opera singer bringing together the world with amazing grace. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. There is breaking news on two fronts as we come on the air tonight. Nearly 60 million Americans are under severe weather watches and warnings, with high winds threatening many of those tents now being used to treat coronavirus patients. It's part of a storm system that tore through the South overnight, killing dozens and destroying homes. We're going to get to that story in just a moment, but we're going to begin with those staggering new developments in the pandemic. Tonight, New York State now says more than 10,000 people 
have been killed there. That is nearly half of the more than 23,000 Americans who have died from the coronavirus. Nationwide confirmed cases now top 577,000. And yet New York's governor is saying the worst may be over in his state. And the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, now says he's seeing evidence that infections are leveling off. Also tonight, Dr. Fauci is defending the president, saying the president did listen to his advice about issuing guidance for Americans to stay at home. It comes after Mr. Trump retweeted a hashtag to quote fire Fauci following an interview that the doctor gave on Sunday. There's a lot to get to tonight, and our team is covering every angle of it. Mola Lenghi is going to lead off our coverage tonight from New York City. Mola. Well, Nora, testing continues to be an issue. Harlem Hospital here is expected to be one of five new testing sites coming online in the city uh, very, very soon. And while we are seeing fewer hospitalizations across the state, we are still coming off an Easter Sunday that saw nearly 700 COVID-related deaths. Everyone is COVID positive in these hallways. All you hear is oxygen. The echo of oxygen machines surrounded emergency room doctor Eric Bludinger as he walked through Mount Sinai Hospital in Queens where patients lined the hallways. What's the situation like there right now? It's intense, very intense, but thankfully this week has looked much better than last week. New York hospitals admitted about 2,000 new patients, and that's actually the lowest number in two weeks. We are controlling the spread. Today, Governor Andrew Cuomo signaled the worst could be over. If we do something stupid, you will see those numbers go right back up tomorrow. Still, frontline healthcare workers across the country continue to face dangers. CBS News has learned at least 1,500 healthcare workers have suffered from COVID 19 like symptoms in Michigan's largest hospital network, Beaumont Health. Mo Menard is a director of nursing. She lost her own 47-year-old cousin, a mother of four, Lanika Barksdale, to the virus. I'm a human being, the staff is a human being, and this is something we've never seen in healthcare to this capacity. As COVID-19 spreads, personal protection equipment across the country continues to stretch thin. States like Virginia are scrambling, buying them at a premium from China. A cluster of nearly 300 sick employees at this South Dakota meat plant has shut down nearly 4% of the nation's pork production. Still, nursing homes continue to be among the hardest hit. The Associated Press reports more than 3,600 deaths are linked to long-term care facilities. But the young are not immune. 27-year-old Jared Lovos died in New Jersey on Friday. His girlfriend, Jocelyn Jimenez, says he fought the virus for 16 days. 10 of those on a ventilator. They kept saying he's strong, he's young. This virus is very deceiving. Someone so healthy, someone so full of life. And then I got a call on Friday saying that his heart stopped. And my heart literally stopped. Well, as if doctors and nurses aren't dealing with enough right now, there has been a 60-mile-per-hour wind gust advisory throughout the city of New York today, and that has been a major concern for the Tent Field Hospital set up in Central Park, treating coronavirus patients there. A spokesperson for the field hospital tells us those tents can withstand up to 65-mile-per-hour winds, so certainly kind of close there. But a worst-case scenario, they do have an evacuation plan. Nora? Well, that is good to hear, Mola. Thank you. 
We've got more now on that deadly storm system that Mola talked about. At least 33 people have died as tornadoes carved a path of destruction from Texas to the Carolinas. This outbreak comes as the entire country deals with the coronavirus outbreak. And tonight, the storms are barreling up the East Coast, and nearly 60 million Americans are under watches and warnings. Maria Virial is in the hard-hit Monroe, Louisiana. Maria. We know, Nora, 12 homes in this neighborhood are completely destroyed. The family living here just had seconds to find cover before the tornado ripped right through their home, tearing apart the walls and the roof before moving east to do more damage. Sunrise revealed a stark new reality in Bassfield, Mississippi. Massive damage left behind a surreal scene after a powerful tornado packing 150 mile per hour winds swept through 18 counties yesterday. Hundreds of homes and businesses were swept off their foundations. Mississippi suffered the highest death toll of at least 11 killed. We just hunkered down and all of a sudden it quits. And we were naive. I mean, it just went calm. Some had no choice but to spend the night in a shelter making concerns about coronavirus and social distancing an additional worry. Overnight, the storm steamrolled through 12 states from Texas to West Virginia. CBS digital journalist Jesse Mitchell covered the devastation in Georgia. This is the hardest hit area in Chatsworth where five people were killed. Chris Watson is picking up the pieces of his home. He and his wife took shelter in their bathroom when their trailer took a direct hit Sunday night, sending them 75 feet away. You were in the closet? When he picked the trailer up and throwed us out about 10 foot apart, God was watching us. Yeah. Here in Monroe, Louisiana, the Grayson family was watching local church services on their television when the tornado warning came through. 10 people were inside and they all survived. As long as we're here, I mean, we just got to keep surviving, keep striving, come together and make this work and help each other through hard times. That's all I can say. That's the only way, no other way. Keep God first. Officials say that this damage is consistent with an EF3 tornado, and now the system that moved through here is hitting the northeast with wind gusts up to 70 miles per hour so far. Nora. All right, Maria, thank you so much. Now to here in Washington, where today's daily coronavirus briefing was less of an update on the pandemic and more of a defense by the president of the job he says he's done to contain it. The president even called Dr. Anthony Fauci to the podium to explain comments that he made on Sunday when Fauci said on TV that if mitigation had started earlier in the U.S., more lives could have been saved. Ben Tracy is at the White House tonight, and Ben, that was an extraordinary briefing. It sure was. The president said that everything he has done responding to coronavirus has been right, and he even showed a video of other government officials praising him. He's now getting ready to make this decision about reopening the country, but a lot of governors are saying it's not his decision to make. The president says he's in charge of deciding when and how to reopen the country, calling it the biggest decision of his life. But some governors, including J.B. Pritzker of Illinois, say the president can provide guidance, but they will decide. Uh, but it is true that it's up to the governors to make decisions about the executive orders that we've put in place. California, Oregon and Washington state are working together on plans for reopening once it's safe to do so. And governors from six states in the Northeast, including New York's Andrew Cuomo, held a call today to coordinate their plans. It's not going to be we flick a switch 
and everybody comes out of their house and gets in their car and waves and hugs each other. CBS News has learned President Trump has been calling his friends and associates in recent days, asking about when he should reopen the country, and also what they think of Dr. Anthony Fauci. On Sunday, Fauci suggested lives could have been saved if the Trump administration had shut down the country sooner. If we had, right from the very beginning, shut everything down, it may have been a little bit different, but there was a lot of pushback about shutting things down back then. This follows a New York Times report that says President Trump ignored the advice of experts for a month before finally issuing social distancing guidelines in March. On Sunday night, the president retweeted an attack on Fauci from a failed GOP congressional candidate that included the message, time to fire Fauci. Today, Dr. Fauci backtracked, saying President Trump followed his advice. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president. The president listened to the recommendation. There is some sad news from the U.S. Navy tonight. A sailor on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt has died of coronavirus. Nearly 600 other sailors on that ship have tested positive. The ship's captain, Brett Crozier, was fired after a letter that he wrote pleading for help leaked to the media. There is now an investigation underway, and it is possible that he may get his job back. Nora. We may hear more of that investigation this week. Yes, Ben, thank you. And now to the need for testing nationwide. While it's still not clear when life will return to normal, the answer might be found in the blood of those who have recovered from coronavirus. Carter Evans reports tonight on antibody tests and if they could help get Americans back to work. A single drop of blood could soon determine if you're immune to coronavirus. The Los Angeles County Health Department is now randomly testing a thousand people for antibodies, which are produced in our blood to fight infections. Dr. Niraj Sood is heading up the study. So that will tell us what is the trajectory of this epidemic look like? Are infections rising rapidly? When is this epidemic going to end? And that could determine when it's safe for Americans to return to work says Stanford University's Dr. Lloyd Minor. The hope is that the information from the antibody tests and other information will enable policymakers to make informed decisions about when uh, shelter in place and social distancing can be relaxed. So far, more than 70 companies want to sell antibody test kits with very little FDA oversight. Some are already available online. Presently, the ones on the market are not very accurate. That's a huge problem, says CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus. If I do a test and say, hey, you're immune and you're not immune, you can spread it to somebody who may be very vulnerable. And so the decisions on this test really are, are critical. And so I'd rather no test than a faulty test. But as these tests get better and more people without symptoms are checked, the health department should be able to get a better idea of just how far this virus has spread. The first results from the antibody tests here in Los Angeles should be in by the end of the week. Nora. All right, Carter, thank you. The three vaccines with the most promise are still in the early stages of testing and are 12 to 18 months away. At the same time, there are no approved treatments for COVID-19. So tonight, we're launching a new series, Racing to a Cure, to take a deep dive on the scientific advances to help beat the coronavirus. Tonight, here's Dr. John LaPook. With no vaccine yet for COVID-19, a worldwide effort is underway to find medications that target the virus and treat the symptoms. But proper drug testing takes time and patience. Sometime in the summer, we'll start to see 
which are working, which are not. Drugs under consideration include the experimental medication remdesivir, originally designed for Ebola, and hydroxychloroquine, approved to treat malaria. Northwell Health is testing the rheumatoid arthritis drug made by Regeneron to see if it can dampen severe inflammation caused by the virus, inflammation that ends up damaging the lungs. My breathing was so difficult at that point, I felt like I was drowning. Dr. Anar Yukayev, an OBGYN, was the trial's first patient. The only question that I had for the doctors, if you were in my place, would you do this? And without hesitation, both of them said yes. Still, you were kind of rolling the dice, weren't you? I was. As part of the trial's design, patients are randomly assigned either the drug or a placebo. That allows researchers to compare outcomes. Genentech has launched a trial for Actemra, another anti-inflammatory. The nature of this crisis has caused us to work with breakneck speed to get this clinical trial conceived and approved. I'm just uh, thankful to God that I'm actually sitting here right now. Nora, right now, critically ill patients are getting a cocktail of experimental drugs in a desperate attempt to save them. These clinical trials are crucial to figuring out what actually works. All right, John, thank you. We turn now to Chicago, where African-Americans are five times more likely to die of the virus than whites, something the White House Coronavirus Task Force says it is now investigating. Tonight, Adriana Diaz takes a close look at what's being done to fight this trend. Anybody ready? Yeah. Activists trying to stop gun violence on Chicago's South Side have a new message. When I say go, you say home. Go! Home. Autry Phillips runs the group Target Area. They're passing out two flyers to save lives. One on gun violence, another on coronavirus. There's an old saying that when the country catches a cold, the black people catch pneumonia. That's true. African Americans in Chicago account for more than 60% of COVID deaths, but are just 30% of the population. A trend they're trying to fight with facts. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, bro. That also debunk rumors. We used to hear this, the craziest thing that the coronavirus don't affect black people. We saw the skepticism for ourselves. I don't believe it. What don't you believe in? The coronavirus. But the official numbers show minority and low-income neighborhoods hardest hit, New York's outer boroughs and Chicago's far south side. That's where we found long lines for testing outside the New Roseland Community Hospital. Dr. Terrell Applewhite, who runs the site, says no public testing on the south side until recently was compounded by a lack of representation in early media coverage. I think the things that they saw and the individuals that they saw on national television did not appear to reflect their communities. And as a result, the severity of the disease, I think, may have been underestimated. Not by Alfred Lumpkins, who we found online. It's a lot of you. I think they're just misinformed. But like I told them, look who's dying. It's black people. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Chicago. Tonight, Bernie Sanders endorsed Joe Biden for president. The former rivals appeared on a live stream with Sanders telling Biden, we need you in the White House. The endorsement comes as Wisconsin is releasing the results of its primary last week. CBS News projects Biden is the winner. Here's a special one from San Antonio. After reports showing thousands lined up at a food bank, local author Shay Serrano tweeted out a plea for help. $100,000 poured in in less than a day. That's enough for one million pounds of food for families facing hunger.
Thank you to all of those. Andrea Bocelli singing in an empty Italian cathedral has garnered more than 30 million views. It was so beautiful that tonight we let his music play as we show you the heroes who are fighting this virus. Those are the true pictures of amazing grace. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, a story of pitching in how a health club managed to keep all of its workers on the payroll during this shutdown. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. We're going to see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast, was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.